Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. And welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Ooh. <laughs> welcome back. Why are you saying ooh? <laughs> I say that every every episode. Ooh. The Christian mythology hits extra hard this week. Does it? Midnight Mass. Oh, Midnight Mass. If y'all haven't watched it. Oh, you're right. I should be going boo. Boo. Because it's ghosts. Yes. Or woo. Woo. (laughs) Jordan orgasming in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, So since this episode is kind of built around uh, sidestepping the truth, we thought we would play two truths and a lie to check in and warm up and stuff. I'm down with that. I love games. I hate um, games. Yeah. I hate fun. Same. Um, <laughs> so, two truths and a lie. Okay. Um, one, I can touch my elbows together behind my back. Two, I lost my virginity in my high school band room. Three, I shoved a sword down my brother's throat. What the fuck, oh my Jordan? <laughs> I thought I would know, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, your life is just too absurd. Oh, so... Wait, wait. Okay. Don't tell yet. I won't. Yeah, we need to think about it. Give us a second. I'm going to guess three. The three is the lie? Yeah. Um, The sword down your brother's throat. What were the first... What was the second one again? I lost my virginity in my high school band room. What was the first one? I can touch my elbows together behind my back. First one is true. (laughs) First one I know is true. Yeah. You have showed me. <laughs> so Pop them two titties three. out, Jordan. Yeah, getting them titties out. Popping it. I have to be standing up, but I'm too lazy for that. I don't think your brother would let you shove a th- sword down his throat. Um, I think it's the second one is the lie. You are correct. The second one is a lie. Fucking knew it. Okay. The third one is too insane to be I fake. I need to know. Okay, so when we were in middle school, well, I was in middle school. My brother would have been in elementary school. We were sword fighting down a stairway with like these um, plastic kind of like night swords. <laughs> and yeah. my brother, um, I, it was an accident. I like flipped my sword upside down to like stab into my brother. And I kind of tripped on the step and it went directly into his throat like a sword swallower. And when I pulled <laughs> it out, the sword was completely full of blood. And my my parents let me babysit like way too young. I think I started babysitting my siblings when I was like nine. So like instead of like calling my parents or like going to the hospital or anything, I just told him that if he ever told my parents, I would push him down the stairs. Um, (laughs) And that was the end of it. It never came back up and he's still alive. So 
what I can't get over, we literally just got back from spending eight days straight with Jordan's brother, and I heard so many stories I've never heard, and this was not even, like, mentioned. There are just endless stories of Jordan's weird life. Yeah, I think my brother was scared because I asked if we could bring up, if I could tell oh, his God. friend Jared about the booger wall, and he immediately said no. Jordan, you're going to have to cut this. Okay, no booger wall. Because you, you almost already, got in so much trouble. You already talked about the booger wall on the <gasps> podcast. I Did you? I think so. Jordan, if your brother ever listens. He won't. He, yeah, okay. he'll never he'll listen. Never listen. <laughs> he knows what it is, though. He does. Oh, Lord. He won't listen. It's fine. Y'all are stressing Your turn, me Allie. Okay. Hello, I'm Allie. Hi, Allie. Um, mine are about my family. Okay. So, I have three. Three family, got it. Three families here. Well, it's good that you have three since it is two, <laughs> two plus one. Um, ignore my stupidity. So my first, I ran out. So my first is about my little sister. I once ran her over with a scooter and she will never let me live this down. Okay. Second, my older sister. She once convinced me I had a week left to live when I was nine and I genuinely thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> three my mother <laughs> my mom and i shook hands with a mummy because a guy thought my mom was hot that has to be true yeah, <laughs> the I know third one is true, true. <laughs> i don't know because i remember you telling me that you always wanted a, an electric scooter and you never got one so which is making me nervous about one but you probably had a regular scooter and I believe that Nicole convinced you that you were going to die. <laughs> like, that sounds like your family's energy. I also believe you ran over Soso because um, you always bully Soso and then blame her for it. Is she the real, bullies me. Is the real lie that all of them are lies? <laughs> that would be amazing. Or all of them are no, true. No, one of these is a lie, but it's a half lie. I'm going to guess... Number one is the lie. You ran her over with a car instead. <laughs> I was going to guess number one, but you hit her with a bike. Jasper, you are spot on. I ran her over with a bike. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm so <laughs> smart. But that's really funny that Jordan says with a car because I did hit my stepmom with her own car by accident once because I thought the car was in reverse and I was in drive and I hit her. So, yes, I did run a, my sister over with a bike. Uh, Jasper, what are your truths in a lie? In that order. I'm. What? Yeah, we want to cheat. <laughs> no. Tell us. Okay. So my first one is that despite liking all three things, I was never in like the super hulak, whatever. Community. Community fandom thing. Um, the second one is that super into pegging dudes <laughs> or I used to be anyway mm -hmm. um, don't really have sex with dudes anymore because they're gross. Fair. No Fair. offense to dudes. Offense and dudes. <laughs> actually like kind of kind of offense. Clean yourself. <laughs> um, and the third one is that I am super into girls armpits. Hmm. I... Okay, so the Super into Girls armpit makes sense because yes. that's, like, where pheromones are from. And, like, that's, like, our natural attraction to people mm -hmm. is their scent. So that would that's be... interesting. That would make sense. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I would say the first is a lie because I don't think you like Doctor Who. I know you like Doctor Who. Oh, I don't no. think you were a part of the fandom, though. I think you just like Doctor weren't. Who. You weren't part of the fandom. Did they like uh, Sherlock? 
Do you know? I don't know. But Sherlock also isn't like a show I know a lot about. I feel like all three of these are true. I'm going to go with number one being a lie. Same. No, it's number two. Oh. You didn't like pegging dudes? No. I've never pegged anyone in my life. What? I know. Allie is like over here like, I do that every night. I'm just, (laughs) no, I'm not. But I'm just in shock. I know. (laughs) I knew you guys would be like, oh yeah, Jasper pegs. I think it's because my friend group, (laughs) my friend group before you all was really into pegging. So much that there was a big fight that went on our friend group because one of my friends was spending the night at our other friend's house and she accidentally stepped on her strap on and broke it. <gasps> and she refused to pay for it because she's like, you should clean your room. Um, it's your fault. Like, I stepped on the strap on. and well, You also shouldn't be leaving, like, your strap on laying on the floor. On the floor. Like, yeah, that's, that's gross. Like, go in someone's ass. Exactly. <laughs> And then, of course, she was like, that was like, you know, an $80 strap on. I can't afford that. So, yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe I'm just so like. I I just can't look at you the same. I guess I'm just going to have to start pegging people now. I mean. So I can live up to your expectations. You and Allie yeah. can start a club. I don't peg. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Allie's like, I've never even thought about it. I don't even know what it is. What's pegging? Peggy Carter? What? <laughs> After the last episode we did, all we did was joke about pegging for like 10 minutes. All I know is when I saw the little video headliner. Oh, the um, the audiogram? It, yeah, it all came back to me that I just talked about an old man for the whole episode. I mean, he's not that old. I mean, I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, anyway. you're a fully mature adult woman. It's fine. True. Yeah, you can bang old dudes if you want. You can throw their legs behind their head and peg their ass. Exactly. Like I don't want. So, new episode. Let's start this episode. Okay. <clears throat> Today's episode is season two, episode 16, Roadkill. The one where the boys aren't the main characters. <gasps> This episode was written by Rail Tucker and directed by Charles Beeson and originally aired on March 15th, 2007. Nice. I really like this episode. We don't get many where the boys aren't the, like, main focus. And I thought this was really well done. Nice. Podcast (laughs) over. Well, we did get (laughs) one. We summed it up. We did get kind of an episode like this this season with the um, precinct. Mm. Or maybe I'm misremembering. Oh, true. We did. I will say, um, I'm just going to call it now, I like that episode better than I liked this episode. Mm, I agree. I, oh man, if they were lost for two hours in this car, this couple is not fighting enough. I will, they did kind of have like a flirty fight going on yeah but to be fair we get that ghosts remember things how they want oh, true. to yeah so that's kind of how i saw it backing up though mm-hmm. i do love to see a couple in this show that actually has chemistry yes and I'm, mm. I'm guessing um a lot of that has to do with the fact that molly is played by trisha helfer which I'm sure people who watch Supernatural have seen her before. She was um, number six in BSG. Mm -hmm. She was in Lucifer as the goddess of creation in Charlotte. She was in, what else do I have written down here? She was the voice of Edie in Mass Effect 3. 
Really? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and Kerrigan in StarCraft 2? Yeah, and uh, she's Dracula in the Van Helsing show. Oh, cool. That's yeah. awesome. She's, she's great. She's, she's amazing. Fantastic. Very beautiful, too. Oh, my <laughs> God, yeah. And me and Jordan Stunning. were talking earlier about how she has, like, sort of a timeless, ageless beauty, too. Yeah. Like, the bone structure of her face makes her seem to not age. And I know, like, and I'm always on about this. I mm-hmm. hate it when people, like, flip out when there's new celebrity photos. And they're like, oh, my God, how do they stay so beautiful? Let me tell you something. They have a lot of money that they mm-hmm. can spend on making their skin look nice and on plastic surgery and fillers and everything. It's not natural. But she looks nice. But she looks incredible. Yes. Yeah. But it, she still looks like she has aged. Like, she yeah. doesn't mm. try and look like she's, like, 25 years old, I think, yeah. is the difference with her. She still tries to look like an adult, so. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I do like this cold open, too. And it was a... Uh, she was, I'm pretty sure, a pretty decent sized star before this so they made sure to put a lot of effort on showing her face in the cold mm. open so like you kind of were wondering what's going to happen because you know like a character like an actress this big isn't going to die immediately right yeah so it that was kind of cool yes it was it was i just really like the setup i i feel like even though i do think they would be arguing more in real life um i thought it was a very much more of a real scene Right. Than and a I, lot of cold opens. Yeah, and I think um, it's important that we are shown that there there are a couple that really not just love each other but like each other. Yeah. Um, since the whole crux of her character is the unfinished business about mm-hmm. getting back to her husband. Like if yeah. they're really fighting, then we're not gonna believe that as well. That's very true. I also like that this whole thing is a very, it's so classic horror, but it's not done in a way that feels trite. And again, I wonder if this might just be Trisha Helfer, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it's, it's like, there's the car crash and she's looking for help. Mm -hmm. And then it's the creepy cabin and all this stuff. Like none of those are new things. They're not even new things in the show. show. So like the fact that it feels so correct here is Mm -hmm. interesting to me. I also like that, um, this and the episode kind of fuels this along it kind of removes that safety of being in your car because when yeah. you're driving down a road like you don't feel like you're stuck on, you're out in the middle of the woods you feel like you're in a car yeah right. but this like goes to show like you're removed like yeah in an instant you're like in the wilderness and completely fucked over like you don't realize how close you are to this all the time right and i think um, that's illustrated also by having um, the Impala breakdown yes. a little a little ways into mm-hmm. the episode mm-hmm. as well, and you know the car is such a big um, like motif mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. back again and again. Obviously, every episode it's it's like their home and how they get around and everything. So um, yeah, I, I liked pairing that with a story of someone who is looking for their car as well um i did want to get your opinion on something because i thought this was kind of cool um i did like that in this cold open um after she wakes up and david's gone i thought that was a really fun subversion of the trope of like the woman kind of being the damsel Mm, like she's the one who she's looking for him he's the one who's been kidnapped and now she has to be the strong one who goes out and saves her yeah. husband. Right. I like that, too. And I yeah. think she has a very um, forceful personality throughout mm-hmm. the episode. Like, 
yeah, she's not really able to do a whole lot, and we do find out that she's dead, but she um, is very invested in her own choices and mm-hmm. her, her own agency yeah. and pushes back against what um, mm-hmm. Sam and Dean are doing here and there. And it's not surprising either, given what we see of her in the yeah. first like, couple of yeah. minutes of the episode. <laughs> Where she's driving the car, too. That is true. another... Yeah, yeah, true. She and seems very in control. When the body pops up in the road, when the guy does, for mm-hmm. a split second, every time I think it's Bobby at first... <laughs> I thought it was Bobby, too, yeah. for a second. It looked a lot like him. And I'm just like, oh, no, this took a very wrong turn. Country folk all dress the same, yep. don't you know? But the plaid and dark jackets, I'm like... And the, and the hat. Yeah. 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 And similar, like, stature, almost. Sure. <laughs> This is kind of not as important, but I just really like that it's winter. Mm-hmm. I like. There's not a lot of episodes in this show where it's just straight up winter. Yeah, and yeah. I enjoy that. And it, it's like kind of incongruous because they're always in like ten layers. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think I don't even know what part of that is. I like why. Why are you wearing so many layers? I don't know. Don't you get overheated? Aren't it's you sweaty? It's perpetually a misty fall night in supernatural world. <laughs> Yeah, this is a night, and it, like, makes sense, because they're always dressed for winter. This time yeah. it is winter. Right. It makes me feel better to know that um, most of the time underneath their top layer, it's like a like a sleepless yeah. thing, yeah. so they're not, like, cooking alive. Oh, my there. gosh. Um, there is one cool thing that happens here, too, hmm. that I thought the episode did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, when she swerves, it's because she sees um, Farmer Greer Greeley, Greeley, yeah, in the road, and then um, there's kind of some foreboding because she does the same thing to the boys, right? And mm-hmm. I thought that was very neat. Yeah. Also, the way um, they set up the house of the rising sun, yeah. to come back, mm-hmm. but the third time when it does, it's not in the car. So again, you're mm-hmm. sort of like, why? And I love that, obviously, we learn that the boys are more in control than they seem. But I love that after the cold open and we get the intro, um, it starts back with her. And it almost, like, Dean's face makes it seem like they stumbled upon her. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. And I like the boys as just kind of, like, stumbling along and finding something spooky. Right, right, right. Even after they say that they were there on purpose, I think... um, Mm -hmm the writing was the dialogue writing was deft enough to still make it seem like they were after Greeley in particular and not her um when they say that they came there specifically and it wasn't like a random happenstance I mean yeah yeah so I don't tend to like the special effects Mm -hmm. in in this show um Mm -hmm. I think Part of it is because this is during a time when, like, computer-generated stuff was really popular. Yeah. Um, but not very well-developed as mm-hmm. a technology, so it tended to uh, put, bluntly, look like shit. Yeah. But I didn't mind it in this episode. I think there's something about the way, um, in this season, and particular they do sort of like a like an overlay effect mm-hmm. of like a spooky haunted face on top yeah of someone's real face that looks really good and i really liked that for Greeley. and then also when they drive through him in mm-hmm. the road um which i love that by the way dean just being like nope we're <laughs> driving through him yeah not stopping so he's just a ghost um 
I really enjoyed the effect of, of that, how he sort of spilled away like sand. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, maybe because of the way the lighting is in the episode and things like that, it, um, I don't know, it just doesn't look quite so jarringly computer generated mm-hmm. as a lot of other stuff. And, you know, as a staunch advocate of using practical effects whenever fucking possible, that... Mm-hmm. Uh, that should mean a lot. <laughs> well, the um, instances that they use CGI in this episode are times when you could not have used real yeah, effects. Sure, and I yeah. think that's what helps a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have a small gripe with the practical effects, which isn't common for me. Um, I So when they show his stomach wound, I thought it was not the best. And... Oh, yeah. I specifically have a family member who works in an ER and said once there was a guy who had unwrapped his stomach and that it had a bullet wound uh-huh. and that it looked like cotton candy. And she just like couldn't process what it was because of how jarring it looked. Uh-huh. When in this, it very much looked like you almost get one of those like body pieces from Spirit Halloween and oh, coat it with some new in, fake in, blood. Yeah, like... um the makeup packs yes. that have like a big rubber scar yeah you like face. paste on your face and then put some fresh fake blood right it very yeah. much looked like that i just wish they had done a little more with it because it did not right. look realistic right it was very jiggly which i thought was yeah. <laughs> here is kind of where we get like a little bit of a battle between whether this is kind of like the interesting part of, like, trying to get Molly to stay with the boys and, like, yeah. how they have to go in between, like, kind of, like, the two truths and a lie. Yeah. Like, giving just enough truth to make her stay, but right. lying just enough so she doesn't get freaked out and run off. And I, I think they did such a good job in this episode of sprinkling the things to make you question. Because we start with, where's the husband? But that could be explained away that he was, like, taken. Um, and then we get the car missing and it's, it's almost like we get these little bread crumbs that Mm -hmm. then build up and they don't usually do that. Usually they're kind of more over the top, like here is the answer. Right. Um, so I very much appreciate it in this episode. Yeah. And at the end, I'd like to go through and we can point out all of the little hints. Um, I love it. I have a lot of quotes. Yeah. I have (laughs) a lot of quotes too. There's some really good dialogue Mm -hmm. in this and I... I, um, well, this is probably getting ahead. Who wrote this episode again? Uh, Ryle Tucker, or Rail Tucker. Yeah. Um, she also did Faith with Sarah Gamble. Oh. And, shit, some other ones. Some, some ones that we didn't like, too. Mm. Um, I just looked her up the other day to see what episodes she mm-hmm. did, um, in season one and season two. She did eight of them. Okay. And I remember being like, oh, I only liked two of these. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Cause I thought this was some of the best dialogue we've gotten so far. Yeah. 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 Well, and again, I think that's because, um, it's not from their point of view. True. Yeah. True. On, on an outsider's perspective, you have to be a little bit more and then this episode is trying to do uh it's trying to be a little more cerebral yes than um most episodes of supernatural are trying to be uh so you know it's sort of like we were having a conversation about um dialogue on another show Mm -hmm. where we were talking about how you know that's not really how people talk and uh i i think they they turned the dial up to like eight out of ten mm-hmm. on that's not really how people talk in this episode because because they're 
doing a thing. True. Capital T thing. I don't know. I feel like I didn't explain that very well, but it's fine. You you know what I mean. But I feel like this could be how they would talk. Because it was very much shown from the perspective of you don't understand everything. Sure. Um, But it could still be quotes. And, like, they never tried to fill those gaps. They kind of let it hang there until you get the other pieces later on. Sure. So I was really impressed with the dialogue. Yeah. Hmm. Um... But yes, you're right that this is like the first like instance of her being like, well, wait a minute. And like them having to sort of corral her. Mm-hmm. It's when the car breaks down after they drive into the ghost of Greeley and she sees all the shit in the trunk. And she's <laughs> like, nah, 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 yeah, peace I'm out. Good. Like, I'm good. Um, Which oof. smart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. Yep. That's what you do. You yes. back away slowly. But the whole scene is kind of funny to me, too, because I feel like Dean is just so casual here. Where, <laughs> like, he isn't always quite mm-hmm. so ca- He's normally a little more cagey about stuff. And, like, but he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, pop the trunk. Go surreal. All this stuff. Well, uh-huh. we have to think, too, that um the boy's stakes are probably not as high Mm. in this haunting because it's two ghosts two spirits who are entangled with each other i don't we don't really know if other people are being sucked into this kind of like right vortex so yeah no for sure i I so they're like if we fail there's always next year yeah right yeah (laughs) right right oh yes but yeah he's just like really blase about it and i think part of it is sort of his whole attitude like he talked about it in Houses of the Holy. If you can see it, it's real. And yeah. she mm. saw it. She saw mm-hmm. them drive through it. And she saw it disappear. So he's like, well, whatever. You saw the ghost. It was yeah. ghost. Also, just side note. I know it's like a tiny, stupid thing. But I love it when Dean calls women sister. He's like, listen, sister. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cute. I don't know. I think it's like less weird than people like calling women lady yeah. yes i would way rather be called sister it's yeah. very well for what it's very wannabe cowboy yeah which i think is in line with the character but yes oh my yeah. god and want to be sassy too like it's very yeah and but not in a rude way well when you call someone sister it's also putting them on even terms mm-hmm. with you when you call yeah. someone like sweetie yes. it's like condescending yeah 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 and um lady is kind of there, it I, I feel like it's dismissive. It's, it is. It's either dismissive or it's aging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One little Dean thing I liked in here, too, um, was all his references. He starts with, right around here, he says, like, follow the creepy brick road. Yeah, that was a um, little later. But, yeah, and then he also... Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, and, and then Six Sense. Yeah. Um, both of those were deployed in... Uh, season one episode 10 asylum at sam also so yeah it's consistent character writing which i enjoy i also like that um ghost whisper was airing at around this time yes. so that you know dean is waiting for sam to fall asleep and he's turning on his jennifer love hewitt that was oh, my yeah. favorite part i love that you know canonically dean watches it because yeah. it's such a dean show like yes. <laughs> it makes sense helping people and ghosts yes absolutely i bet dean would go to a convention he'd be like sam sorry i have to go do this mysterious thing without you crying next to jennifer love hewitt <laughs> as he hover hands for a photo oh, hover hands. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> I think it's interesting that um, despite the fact that this episode isn't really from 
Sam or Dean's perspective, it's still solidly more of a Sam episode. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes sense because, um, well, for one, we have... This is a little too early, so I won't go into too much detail, but we do have, like, the themes of religion, which is something they've done with Sam a lot. Yeah. Um, but also, um, the show really likes to play around with, like, lies, lies and truths. Yeah. And in this time, um, Sam is more on the offense of, like, we should tell the truth, where Dean is a little bit more dismissive. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You know what I'm going to say? It's like in Bugs. <laughs> yeah. I and once again coming. must bring up Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing so good. <laughs> you know how, like, Voldemort splits his soul? Yeah. To keep him alive? That's like, yeah. whenever you say Bugs, a part of my soul dies. It's the so inverse. Bu- the episode of Bugs is a horcrux? <laughs> <laughs> Allie's horcrux is Bugs. It's like a VHS of Bugs laying somewhere in a field. I mean... I, I yeah <laughs> I can't deny it <laughs> so yeah. we're gonna skip ahead to talking about the house after the creepy brick road I really like this is my favorite set of scenes is mm. the stuff yeah. in the house oh yeah it was well done yeah and I think like it's a really well constructed set first of all yeah. and I really enjoy the whole story of the Greeleys and everything yeah. going yeah. on in there it it I think the way it's sort of presented to you mm-hmm. and as an audience member, you get to just sort of put things together on your own and um, it doesn't feel very like force fed. Yeah. Um, as you know, considering this show is nice, you know, I, yeah. this isn't a show that always wants to trust its audience very well. Um, one thing that I really like is when they show us the house of um because this ghost this ghost was originally a victim before he became a uh, perpetrator of violence right and we are getting to like actually see his life it's very like humanizing for this monster right yeah they go through the scrapbook yeah that's the point i think we realize he's not like the quote-unquote monster like this is more of a tragedy because you're right. set up to think of this as like some mystery hillbilly from the middle of nowhere who scares your car in the middle of the night. Right. Yeah. Um, it does sort of deconstruct yeah. that trope, which I enjoy. And then you get like this incredibly sweet scrapbook that he has clearly put so much time in. Yeah. And that just showcases their love and their life well, together. It also reflects um, Molly's story as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, it's not just her love story like he had his own love story as well that got that's ended. a good point yeah and i i do like when um molly says i don't understand how a man like this could turn into a monster because mm-hmm. i think that does a really good point of showing like it is about your point of view and also not everyone who is stuck in this difficult place is a monster right i think some of that dialogue is some of the best in the episode that yeah. conversation she has with sam um, where he's explaining to her how spirits get stuck mm-hmm. there, and yeah, I think you can you can tell that he wants to tell her. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it doesn't feel extremely overacted. I mm-hmm. th- I think sometimes in the early seasons, Jared can his acting can feel a little heavy handed, but it didn't strike me that way here, which was yeah. nice. Um, and, and in particular, I like when she says, uh, you sound almost sorry for them. And he tells her they weren't evil. Something mm-hmm. just happened to them, something that they couldn't control. Yeah. Um, there is also a bit of world building 
in this episode as well, kind of revisiting that um, early, earlier episode, I want to say like <laughs> season two, episode one of Dean when he's learning about like kind of how ghosts are made. Mm. So. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was the first Reinforcing episode. Reinforcing that. Yeah. And I think this is a major theory. So I don't have much lore for this episode. Right. Because it is something visited and we've talked about highways before. Right. Um, we've but, also talked about salt and fire <laughs> yeah. and all these things. Um, but I do really like the idea of like unfinished business because I think like at least for me what I think about ghosts is a lot of it is just this energy. And if you have a ton of energy at this like very key moment in your life or something you did habitually or when you have so much energy because it's something that was never finished. Right. Those seem to be the most common explanations for hauntings. Right. And I think that's a really good point that, like, some people can be good people and could be stuck like this just because they had so much energy and they were kind of trapped in this cycle that was never completed. Yeah. It's, it's like a um, psychological fixation. Mm-hmm. And a really, like, bittersweet one. Right. I enjoy when they find Mrs. Greeley's body as well. I mean, obviously, it's gross and it's sad. Yeah. But it's a really good scene just all around. Um, First off, I'm always going to enjoy Dean getting grossed out by stupid things like cobwebs when he literally deals with, like, monsters and gore and yep. stuff and he's like about like going yeah. in through a crossface he's like oh my more gosh. grossed out by that than the corpse swinging from the ceiling right well and he was like do we really need to touch the body like i like True. how he's so like trepidatious about all of this and just right. kind of like do i do i have to it's kind of like a kid with a chore <laughs> right 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 I do think this does also point out um like we know the guy's not a monster from the last scene Right. But when they go into the attic, you you see the devastation that this has wreaked on not just her and her husband, but now him and his wife. Right. Yeah. I loved um, the line that Molly had. She didn't want to live without him. Yeah. And I, I do want to revisit that line yes. at the end of the episode. Um, I also like that we get more of Sam's faith here as well. Because yeah. it's very... Because she's not haunting. She's moved on. But it's still important to Sam that she gets like a proper burial Christian right. quote unquote burial yeah. where Dean is like, what's the point? You know, she's yeah, yeah, she's dead and she's not her spirit isn't hanging around. So. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I do really like that about Sam that mm-hmm. he he cares enough just because he's like, this is the honorable thing and everyone deserves this. Right. Oh, um, they are talking to Molly about this and. The next thing I have is when the frosty glass says she's mine. Yeah. And that to me was the one thing that in this episode I don't think fit in. Oh, that was on the radio as well. I thought it was said she's lying on the radio. No, it said she's mine. She's mine. Oh, that makes more sense that it was in both places. Man, I wish it said she's lying. Um, before um, that happens, though, I think we get a little bit of... Um, they bury the body. They bury the body, and I think there's, like, a talk. Yeah, she she is curious about what happens mm-hmm. to spirits, and, like, this is another really great scene for me, because it's, it's both him trying to... It's both Sam trying to explain to her what's going to happen when she mm-hmm. passes yeah. without, like, saying it, but it's also this, um, like, sideways 
discussion of what happens when you die. Yeah. Yeah. And she says, like, you don't hunt you hunt these things but you don't know what happens like kind of condemning right and i do like how they're like that's not our job like our job isn't to understand everything right it's to do the best we can with what we know and what we're given right because they don't have to solve the mysteries of the universe (laughs) like right of course not especially like it might not be solvable yeah yeah and i think it's good that that remain that's something that remains unanswered i i Mm -hmm. enjoy that this episode isn't interested in saying definitively what happens when you die yeah and it's during this discussion that we really discover what her unfinished business is Mm -hmm. um is seeing her husband yeah. Because her response to all of that is she's like, I don't care. I just mm-hmm. want to see my husband. Um, we also uh, then we kind of have two big conversations back to back because mm-hmm. then after this and they bury the woman, um, they go back in the house. And yeah. that's when Molly overhears the conversation between the two boys about telling mm-hmm. her the truth and how to handle that. Yeah. And I thought that was also well done. It, it is. And it really sucks to be the one, like, without the information. But it makes so much sense why well, the boys keep her and I'm, right um, in that space. Of course, coming at this episode from a different point of view than both of you, because mm-hmm. I've never seen it. So, um, of course, uh, as a new viewer, you're very much going to be thinking at this part naturally that mm-hmm. the husband is dead. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what they're hiding. So um, I thought this was a really good way of kind of subverting that it was really interesting when i'm curious when was it that it clicked for you that she was dead um for me um well so i've actually thought about this after watching the episode i'm Mm -hmm. like when i saw it personally was when sam was having the conversation about the death of ghosts Mm. right um that's for when it's clicked for me so the scene before this but I was kind of thinking, and we'll revisit this, like, when did the episode let us in on that? Mm-hmm. So, for me, that's when it yeah. was. I think um, kind of by this point, if you're really thinking about it mm-hmm. and wondering what Molly's role is, you might figure it out here. Right. So. And I think that's why it's so well done, is it is, like, ambiguous. And it builds, and you can at any point kind of question it until the end. Right, yeah. I, I think, um, and I mentioned this earlier, but the song playing on mm-hmm. the um, the jukebox. Yes. Or was it? I feel like the it was car a ju- radio. It was a jukebox. Later. Inside the house. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was The last a time it plays is in the house. And before it had only been associated with the radio. And yeah. I think at this point... Um, you can again if you're paying attention understand that the house of the rising sun is associated with the moment of molly's death yeah and which is directly linked to Greeley, um and that's why it plays when he's Mm -hmm. around before we get to the capture scene i do want to just shout out a line that i really like um when dean says that sam is a walking encyclopedia of Weirdness. weirdness yeah i think that's just such a great quote and it it shows their relationship so well. Right. Well, and it's so funny because, this, like, as if he isn't the same way, yeah. first of all. But second of all, because Sam's just like, I know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yes. It was really fun. Good sibling sprinkles here. 
Mm-hmm. Dean has another great line uh, when he goes to save Molly, and she's like, thank God, and he's like, call me Dean. And he's so <laughs> proud of himself for making that joke. And I always have to laugh when I see this episode, because it reminds me of a friend of mine from mm-hmm. high school who, um, whenever, like, we would be joking about something or, like, flipping out, like, you know, you yell, like, Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as, like, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's like a reaction. Yeah, like an amplifier re- reaction mm-hmm. or whatever. He would be like, yes. That's really funny. <laughs> it's so dorky. I don't know. But I love when people do stupid oh. shit like that. And, like, Dean yeah. is the king of it. He is. He's the king of 15-year-old boy humor. Yes. Yeah. Then we get, I put, yay more torturing women. Yeah. And I don't mind it as much because we get more character development. However, I will say the worst form of torture, ripping a woman's skin with your gross-ass nails. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. I will say it's not, like, as visually violent as a True. lot of other scenes in the yeah, show has it was, been. Yeah, it was just, like, one little cut. I would rather someone take a knife to me than their gross nail. He's a ghost. He can't hold anything. No, he had the knife. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah, come with that knife. I thought he did cut her with the knife, honestly. That's he, what I thought as well, but maybe oh, I'm wrong. When he touches her belly... Oh. Like, I really think it was the fingernail and it, it might have yeah, been the I mean, knife I, underneath the I finger. I wrong. I think um, the fact that he equivalently hurts Dean, I don't really, I don't really care. Oh, yeah. I don't mind it. It's not as horrific, but it's just funny where it's like, yet again. <laughs> I get, I get big, like, um, Attack of the Clones vibes from, like, the, the cut on her exposed midriff. Yay. But yeah. then when he, like, cuts Dean's face, I'm like, not the face! Oh, my God. <laughs> well, this is also kind of an interesting scene, too, because um, as, as a new viewer, you are like, oh, David's dead. But mm-hmm. when he captures her, he doesn't kill her immediately. Mm-hmm. He wants to very slowly torture her by giving her a tiny cut on her midriff. So you're yeah. like, huh... David may not have been dead if this was his motive. And he also says, um, you don't need to worry about him. Yeah. Yeah. Or something to that effect. Or, like, you should be worrying about yourself. Yeah. The ghost, like, throws Dean, and for a split second, I genuinely, even though I've seen this a ton of times, think his neck snapped. His, like, (laughs) head goes so fucking far (laughs) sideways that I'm like, Dean's dead. (laughs) These fuckers are more, like, concussed than career... (laughs) football players mm-hmm. i swear to god like i'm worried about their cognitive function yeah. after 15 years of this <laughs> i mean he still remembers the actor's name in sixth sense like dean's doing pretty good for yeah, how no, fucked up his brain must be he's good he's fine he eats his wheaties yeah. no, he doesn't it's- wheaties what saves your brain <laughs> yeah obviously it's because he just finished playing kingdom hearts 2 and who Haley Joe Osment voices Sora, so... Oh! Yeah. <laughs> it came out like that year. <laughs> That's what he was referencing, not Sixth Sense. <laughs> oh, obviously. <laughs> but anyways, I, is this the first time we've seen this trope where Dean runs in to fight the monster while Sam is doing a brainy race against time to burn the bones? It reminded me a lot of, like, Route 666 mm. where... Um, Dean is leading um, racist oh, Optimus yeah. Prime around. Yes. And um, <laughs> Sam is like on the map, like trying to find the sacred <laughs> soil or whatever it was. The holy ground. The holy ground. Yeah. 
I feel like that there's got to be more times than that. But also, mm-hmm. I have seen the whole show, so yeah. I may just have that impression from the whole True. rest of the show. It is fun to watch, and I know they always are like, oh, it's the last second, gotta save them, this has to be a Hail Mary, but it is really fun to watch. Yeah. What comes right after this? Because I know, like, obviously Sam saves Dean. They get her back to the road. Mm. Um, Like, the spirit burns up very mm-hmm. dramatically, yes. I might add. The most dramatic of any of the ghost deaths, I True. think. Usually they just sort of fizzle up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when she's like, oh, well, I can't leave. I have to mm-hmm. go look for David. And they're like, he's fine. We'll take you to him. And that's, they drive up to his house. Yes. That's so hard to watch knowing yeah. that she's hoping this whole car ride that yeah. he, like, that he's alive. And obviously he is, but that they can be together. Like, it's hard to right. imagine her sitting there waiting to get home. Right. And also, like... Sam ends up having a talk with her mm-hmm. and it all kind of makes her feel better. But at this point you're seeing your husband for the first time mm-hmm. and you know, it's been 15 years or whatever. And like, he's moved on. Mm-hmm. He has a new family, a new wife. Oof, right. That's yeah. devastating. Right. Um, the boys handled it really well though. They did. I'm so glad they didn't let her go in and they were like, no, look like this is on you now. If you do that, that will destroy this man. Right. Yeah. And it's even it's Dean that says that too. He's yeah. like, that's gonna mess him up. Yeah. Um I will say about this scene, I think there's there's so much that this episode does well and um this catch up moment, this catch up montage is not one of those things. Yes. I hate it. I really hate it. It's like they spent the whole episode leaving this breadcrumb trail for you, mm-hmm. right? So they have, they have, um, yeah, we hunt for ghosts and Sam's like, don't sugarcoat it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I'm going to leave. And Dean says, I don't think you're going to get too far. Um, some spirits only see what they want. And, uh, you know, when Molly gets attacked, Sam doesn't ask if she's okay. He Mm -hmm. asks if Dean is okay because he's the one who's living, um, you know, there's the, why do we hold on to life mm-hmm. so hard? We're scared of the unknown, like even mm-hmm. ghosts are. They have all of that. And I think part of what makes the episode up until this point so good is that there's a lot of trust put in the audience mm-hmm. that you were paying attention. Yeah. And this moment says to me, just in case you're stupid, <laughs> here you go. And I don't. Like, especially since this isn't, like, an hour and a half long movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, they do this in The Sixth Sense, yeah. you know, although it's truncated. Yeah. It's, it Percentage-wise of, like, the amount of time it takes up, um, it, I think it's probably even shorter than this. Um, but this is, like, a 40-minute episode, and they take, like, a full minute <laughs> to, like, do this stupid montage to make sure you're not a fucking dumbass. And I'm like, that just really takes away from it and it takes away some um 
value in a rewatch as well. It, it makes yeah. it an episode that's difficult to rewatch because you don't get to go and comb back through and be like, oh, here's all the stuff. You already know where it is because the episode told you flat out at the end like uh, you were five. It kind of reminds me of like when you're eating something with cardamom in it that has like cardamom pods. Oh my God, and, and you bite into the pod. Yeah, you're just getting like this beautiful like floral fragrant flavor in every bite and then yeah, and then you bite into like four pods that have clustered together and you're right. like, Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> right, it, was right. this, it felt like a slap in the face. I think that if they had even just shown one, one mm-hmm. moment, if they had just referred back to, like, the burial of uh, Mrs. Greeley or yeah. something, just the once, I See, think that would have been okay. I strongly disagree. But the oh. reason I strongly disagree is because this isn't an episode that's centered around Dean and Sam. I think if this were an episode where you're, like, centered around them, you would have their understanding. And, like, we get the hints sprinkled through, but it's from her perspective, so they never outright tell you, and you don't get to see those moments. To me, this is less of, like, a, hey, did you get it? This is watching her go through that realization, and I feel like with loss and death and being a ghost this is something she would have had to mm. like look back through these moments and see them in a new light okay so to me this wasn't the director in the storytelling being like hey did you get it it was like this is her experience uh-huh i i so first off i want to counter that by saying they could have her sort of stumble through some dialogue be like oh when you said blah 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 but like not really fully think it Mm. out and just have it dawn on her first thing and second i want to counter that by saying we're not placed in we are placed in her pov Mm -hmm. for most of this episode Mm -hmm. you know like she is the main character so Mm -hmm. we are supposed to be following along with her and if we're paying attention despite the fact that we're in her perspective we are still picking up all these things mm-hmm. uh, you know obviously we have meta knowledge that she doesn't have yeah but um yeah we we are in in her shoes more than Sam or Dean's so i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. i think we're just mm-hmm. going to disagree on my this. perfect ending mm-hmm. for this episode would have been if it ended right when she saw David with his new wife through the window. Oh. I would have loved right. that without the exposition of her choice of approaching him. Right. That would have been much better to me personally. But yeah. 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 I mean, because you get to think mm-hmm. a little bit more about what might be going through her. Yes. Head. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I also, um, regardless of the montage, I do think that there was just too much dialogue here yeah. in general like for me mm-hmm. this sh- I, f- I feel very strongly that this would have been more effective as a pensive moment a pensive yeah. scene I think like there was just too much Sam and Dean explaining things mm-hmm. at her well there's a specific line I really don't like because I like the realization montage but then Sam says like haven't you suffered enough which I feel like this is her space to kind of make that realization and move on when Sam kind of feels a little bit like it feels a little bit talking down to her at this moment. Right. And it's sort of that additional dialogue that really makes me feel Mm -hmm. again like this whole sequence is more about the the 
writers speaking to the audience than yeah. mm-hmm. really showing her perspective or anything. Yeah, if they had like left that montage and then let her figure it out and move on, I feel like it would keep the um kind of like intention and um oh, not skill set but like the energy and yeah. ability on her and her narrative. Right. It would have um felt like they were lending her more agency. Yes, a little exactly. bit. That's actually funny you bring that up because um I actually had written down that mm-hmm. my problem with the ending of this episode is in many ways I felt like she lost her agency. Yes. Right. Because um, they essentially told her what to do. They told her what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you also find out that all along she was the victim, which I don't mind. But mm-hmm. when it's layered on top of losing, literally being told what to do. Right. Yeah. It kind of irked me a little bit because she was shown as like a strong woman, which is something the show does not give us a lot. Right. And exactly. I, I wish she could have accepted that. Like, she's not just the victim, but she also caused an issue. That was an accident. Right. But I wish that was thrown in there, too, because if she had to have that whole understanding of not just my yeah. husband's alive, I'm dead, mm-hmm. but also the, like, I kind of created this in well, running that man over. Yeah. She did. She says, oh, I killed him. Yeah. Yeah, but I want that more in the, like, flashback, too, because if you're going to flashback, sure. like, that's a key part that she was missing, and that's where, like, she was seeing what she wanted to. She wasn't seeing that. Here's what I think. If they were going to flashback, what they should have shown, instead of the boys' investigatory, investigatory mm. perspective and... um reminder scenes in that montage what they ought to have done is shown the moment of the crash mm-hmm. Greeley's body and her dying in the car and her husband stumbling out that's yeah. what they should have shown i think agreed and um, even if they had the boys in it like not as the central it's problematic right. when that's the central story is it completely removes her from the narrative right exactly one thing i do really like about this is it um, about this scene is that I spent a lot of time thinking about Mrs. Greeley mm-hmm. during this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of uh, Mrs. Greeley not wanting to live without her husband. And here, her whole 15 years of haunting that road mm-hmm. has been not wanting to die without her husband. Oh, yeah. true. That yeah. would have been a cool parallel to and draw then, out. And then on, um, in the moment of her letting go, mm-hmm. she is saying also that she doesn't, like, she doesn't want her husband to die either. Yeah. She's saying, I want you to live without me mm-hmm. and, like, have this life and I don't want to interfere with it and I want to yeah. move on as well. So it's like it it's like an inversion of mm-hmm. the the couple that she destroyed. And I think how much we've had to discuss about this like one minute scene kind of shows how messy it is. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And even in just the filming of it, like when she ascends, you see her in front of Sam and Dean. Like, why couldn't the shot be her in front of the house and the husband in the background living his life? Right. Right. And I think that's the problem with um, this as a outsider POV episode mm-hmm. is that it doesn't commit to yeah. being an outsider point of view. Yes. Um, it stumbles the line. Yes. It, 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 I think it walks the line very well up until this point. And here they're like, Whoa, never mind. It's like they backpedaled hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I just, just commit, just commit, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, the last thing I want to say is about the hopes the whole point yeah kind of conversation i didn't hate that no i loved it it. i did think it was a little heavy-handed yeah after some of the more nuanced conversations that were had um earlier like throughout the episode with molly i think to then be like plink neat little tying the bow on top it was sort of like all right whatever but it was gentler than the rest of the scene that preceded it i love that quote i think it was almost misplaced right like why couldn't this have been something he told molly before molly realized right and then end with molly's ascension to whatever's next like i think that would have been so perfect to leave that beforehand and let molly's story wrap up the episode sure or even if she had brought up again like you really don't know what happens yeah they were just to say i hope it's something better mm-hmm. and that's the whole point it didn't know? need steen and sam like haha commentary after well the end i of also want to know right? um what they're narratively trying to say about sam's faith here mm-hmm. and his hope like, I kind of wish they were paralleling it to something bigger going on with his character. I, th- I mean, I think they are. I think with mm-hmm. all the discussions of how you become evil and everything, yeah. this is actually a, a lot more nuanced than some of the other times that they try and attack this problem of what's going to happen to Sam. And yeah. what it's saying here is that as long as he can break out of a harmful pattern, then they hope that something good will happen, you know? And I, th- I think that works mm-hmm. a lot better than some of the other times, mm. um, just personally. I, like, that that's part of what makes me like this episode. Yeah. Um, is because it is, again, coming... I keep saying this this episode, but coming at a, a tangential problem, sort mm. of catty corner or sideways, um, without really saying that's what it's talking about. But it is, because yeah. it's the major... Um, character arc of this season is is sam going to become Mm -hmm. evil i figured it out i'm the director here's what i do i make sam say that when they're questioning about like what comes next why do you pass them on sam says the hope line Mm -hmm. get it in there then when she realizes at the house she's like on her own as she kind of walks up the sidewalk a little she has this montage where it's the car crash all of that long ago And then she thinks back to Sam's line about hope and it shows her in front of the house with in the background, her husband and the new wife. And then she chooses to move on. Yeah. And like the sun comes up in the background and then that's the end of the episode. Or leave it dark. Leave it dark. Make the boys get out into their car silently. Yeah. Like just leave it there. You know, it's so interesting too, because I've talked before about how one of the things that um, this series does really well especially in seasons two two three four and five i think mm-hmm. are um exiting the episodes yeah. like way more than entering them mm-hmm. and i feel like this one is flipped yeah mm-hmm. like, i very much the agree opening the introduction of this episode is really great and this exit just feels mm-hmm. it falls flat for me it's like a fucking raspberry yeah agreed completely <laughs> yeah um and this is uh, this is Jordan not going to be relevant to your read <laughs> of the episode. Um, but I think in the context of season two, this is really great. And mm-hmm. even 
you know, while season three is still Mm -hmm. airing, this is a good episode to Mm -hmm. revisit because it emphasizes the dubiousness of the afterlife. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't fucking know and we're not supposed to know. Yeah. This episode falls really flat on a rewatch if you've seen anywhere past season three, I think. Because the series as a whole spends so much time over-explaining the different kinds of afterlife and, Mm. like, afterlife dimensions that you can be in. And so there is no, there's no mystery left, you know? I think this is, this is a good episode in the context of the first three seasons. This episode doesn't make any sense in the long-term canon of the show. Especially given that right at the end, they're like, they specifically are like, we are not supposed to know the answers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, it like frustrates me. I actually don't mind at all. Because to me, I'm like, this is where the boys are at that moment. Sure. No, no, no. And I, think, I get that. I think sometimes it's okay for it to not go seamlessly. Because I'm like, it's okay for them to be in this different place where they see the episode very differently sure and see the case very differently and then later on things change um i don't kind of fault an early episode for that if this were in season four no, no, no. then I, I would i don't fault the episode i'm saying that like the long-term canon of this show mm-hmm. undercuts this episode and devalues the narrative that they built this entire mm-hmm. season i i would That's like fair. to argue this is sort of like the afterlife thesis statement of this yeah. season. Um, and of season two, or I mean, season three. You know? Yeah, it like takes away the point of it. Yes, exactly. And I think that's, I think that fucking sucks because I think season two is one of the best seasons mm. of the show. So it's, I'm just, eh. <laughs> I'm just grousing. Fair. <laughs> Fair. And since, Sorry for that aside, Jordan. It's just since it's not anything in specific, uh, (laughs) I felt like it was okay to talk about in front of you. Let's talk about how they all die. Yep, every single character. Nobody lives. Uh, So, Jasper, are you ready to talk about the fanfic for the week? I am so ready to talk about the fanfic (laughs) for the week. Obviously, like, ghosts and hauntings are, like every other fucking episode in this show so it's not that hard to find fix with this um so i went with a lesser known one that uh an acquaintance of mine wrote Mm. it's by ao3 user pouty kimosa which i'm gonna spell for you p-o-u-t-y-c-h-i-s-m-o-s-a it's called Things That Go Buzz in the Night. And if you recall correctly, I did mention this briefly in a previous episode when we were making fun of people asking uh, Misha to make fic wrecks because <laughs> I was like, that motherfucker would be wrecking things like Things That Go Buzz in the Night. Um, let me read you these tags. The relationship here is Desiel. Of course. Well, not necessarily. I do sometimes pick gen fix and things like that, Ali. Oh, I'm saying it's the only right choice. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Additional tags are AU Modern, Haunted House, not really, but kinda, Mildly Dubious Consent, Explicit Consent, 
starts out dubious, but then consent is established and everyone's having a great time. Oh. So that's good. Yeah, we like great times. <laughs> we like consent. We like consent and great times. Anal sex, vibrators, <laughs> orgasm delay, crying. And I love that this is a real tag. Dean Winchester cries during sex. Top cast <laughs> bottom Dean. Overstem. Brief mention of the Cartwright twins. Very fun little Easter egg there. Bad puns. Witch curses. And the final tag. Dean gets railed by a haunted vibrator. Yeah, when you said things go buzz in the night, my head immediately went to... Vibrators. Yes. I love this fic so much. Um, The summary is, buying a house during a pandemic hadn't been on Dean's list of plans for his life, but it was 2021 and and things just be like that. The low price should have made him think twice, but older Victorian homes all just look a little banged up, right? That's what he told himself. Um, I love the author's notes here, too. Blame Twitter and the glass vibrator urn for inspiring this fic. (laughs) Honestly, if anyone's going to get stuck in a house with a haunted vibrator, I think Dean is a good candidate for that. Because he'll enjoy his time with it, and then he will know how to get rid of it. That's actually a really fun fic. Yeah, no, it's so fun. Um, hmm. Spoilers, Cass is hunting the, the vibrator. Oh. Oh. That sounds extra fun. So- yes, it's so, this fic is so funny. I was telling Allie, mm-hmm. um, when I read this, I was laughing so hard at certain parts that, like, I almost peed. Like, <laughs> oh, that's I amazing. Didn't, I didn't say how long it is either. Hold on. Let me pull that up. Yeah, tell us. Jasper, read us a bedtime story of this. Okay. Um, this is about 3K. So it's, oh. it's a quick read. Very short, yeah. Yeah, definitely deserves more attention than I got. Mm. So anyone who listens to us, you are now hereby required to go read this fic and tell us what you think about yes. it. Yeah, definitely. And, like, give kudos and comments, comments and bookmark this fic mm-hmm. show some love to the writers i know i like rag on some of the fics sometimes but like even the ones that i tease about like come on like that came out of someone's brain they spent time on that yeah. i couldn't have wrote that okay all i can write is fucking grief and angst yeah, like i could never write even like the fucking carrot fic that i was giggling about in season one like show your I appreciation for the weirdness yeah, they make it like, free for your enjoyment yeah 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 so go go check out things that go buzz in the night and give it some love nice um are you guys ready for my buzzing possible Writing? review of this episode no because first we have to buzz about the rating oh review rating yeah yeah jordan said review i thought he was going the same way too i was like about ready to fight jordan okay (laughs) yes then we are then yeah it's actually funny that i said buzzing review because i would actually rate this episode a 3.5 out of 5 because listen this episode is a glass of water it (laughs) is not necessarily a cool glass of water but i was thirsty and i enjoyed drinking it would I drink it again? I'm not fully sure. Um, I just thought it was kind of messy in the end. Um, and I thought outside of Trisha Helfer, mm-hmm. the story itself, like, it kind of reminds me of Trickster, where, like, what really happened to push this season mm. along? It was just mm. very self contained 
in my opinion. So yeah, three point five out of five. Trisha Helfers because she carried the episode. (laughs) Yes, Trisha. (laughs) What about you, Allie? Um, I really thought this was a pretty solid episode. I do have gripes with it, and I do think it's kind of bland in some ways, but I think they tried something new, which I really give them props for, and they did pretty well. I do agree that the actress fucking carried this episode. Yes. But I think because of the great job she did and how they tried to do something new, I would give it 4.5 out of 5 rusty fingernails. How does a fingernail get rusty? You got to be a real janky ghost, but it can happen. <laughs> it's rusty and crusty and dusty. Yeah. Wow. Triple threat. A lot of dusties. <laughs> Busty. <Yeah>. Bu- Whoa. <laughs> Busty nail. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that nail's got some big tooties. <laughs> Are you okay, Ali? No, never. <laughs> never around you Ooh, speaking of busty i want to destroy the ears of our listeners by telling them what happened to me while i was on vacation because it relates to breasts um so when i was on vacation oh this week i don't know why and if anyone's had this reaction let me know but i went into the ocean which i've only ever done like once and barely um on the gulf of mexico like the gulf of mexico um so down in florida and um i had a bad reaction to the salt water and my breasts um, swelled up, turned red, and my nipples completely scabbed over. So, has anyone had a similar experience with okay. going in salt water? I wish it ended here because that would be like a sad thing for Jordan. But Jordan made it very uncomfortable by repeatedly describing in detail to me his nipple situation and then <laughs> telling everyone else that I wouldn't milk him and then asking if okay. they'd milk each other. What if I was having a bad milk reaction and I asked Allie, I'm like, if it's a life or death situation, would you milk me? And she said, no, she would let me die. And then we were talking about, would you rather your family milk you or a friend? So I wish it ended with this, like, I am sorry, Jordan, that must hurt. It but it turned worse in. Too. Um, excuse y'all. I would like to finish rating the episode, please. Yes. There was a quick mention of getting milked by Mr. Tumnus, but that is the end of our story. <laughs> that was our prime chosen Shut character. <laughs> if anyone's going to milk me, it's going to be Mr. Tumnus. Shut the fuck up. Wait, wasn't Mr. Tumnus played like by a fucking um Yes that that one actor yes. James McAvoy. James McAvoy, yeah. Why the fuck did they pick such a pretty man to play Mr. Tumnus? I'm really angry now. James McAvoy could milk me too. So I'm how are you writing the, the episode? <laughs> I am more <laughs> I'm a little more in agreement with Jordan, although um I think I, I liked it a little better. I would give this one a 3.75 mm-hmm. out of 5 um, creepy brick roads. Ooh. Because, yeah, I think what they were trying to do worked really well right up until the end, and it just sort of fell to pieces mm-hmm. um, by just being a little too heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Trisha Helfer, incredible. Mm-hmm. Really overshadowed. Jensen and Jared in this episode but I also I'm like "Mm, Trisha yeah Yeah. she should that that might be part of my problem oh should I guess what happens next yes please absolutely okay so we haven't had the special children for for a little while and I keep bringing it up but I I'm feeling it this time Mm -hmm. I think they're gonna 
have a special children episode where mm-hmm. they ca- catch someone killing people. Ooh. And oh. so Jared's going to be like, oh, no, like this could be me. But it turns out that it's not a special children. And his real power is that he's a werewolf. Who <laughs> <laughs> would have guessed? <laughs> I knew you were going to find a way to bring up werewolves. Um, and My guess was real. Spoiler alert. If the episode's not about <laughs> werewolves, I'm going to riot. So <laughs> if it's not about werewolves, uh, Jordan will post his scab nipples on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. They healed really fast. His my not scab nipples. Wait, what are you, you going to do if it is a werewolf episode, Jordan? Um, what do you promise to do on the internet? Oh, what? Do, uh, you will, everyone come and tell me what they want me to do. That um, is I will, dangerous. I will post a TikTok. Ooh, maybe I'll make a TikTok. Maybe I will make an official um, On the Road with Supernatural TikTok oh. if the next episode is about werewolves. That could be a thing. Yeah. That could be a thing. Let's pray. We want we want werewolves not nipples. Dear God, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let us let us know what Jordan should do on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. If it is a werewolf episode next time. Oh, it's supernatural. And if it's not what I should do, who I should beat up, what I should burn. Us. That's the only answer. Yes. Um. If it's not a werewolf a- episode, enjoy tuning in to my live where I will conflagrate my fellow <laughs> podcasters. I'm excited. <laughs> me Set too. me free of this meat sack. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at On the Road with Supernatural, or contact us by email at On the Road with Supernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in San Francisco, California. Bye. Bye. Bye.